theoretically, we could be live. Are you alive? I feel mostly live-esque, live-like. Johnny Five is alive. Oh my! Johnny Number Five. Oh. No. Yes. Oh God! One of you my want to talk about voices? Oh. God, that guy. I saw so much in that movie. Uh, Probably one of the sequels, actually. Like deeply, the sequel is the, is so upsetting. They like beat him with an axe. I know. It's horrible. It's awful. For people who are just joining us, we're talking about a movie called Short Circuit. And if you're not old enough, uh, you didn't grow up in the 80s, you probably don't know what the hell we're talking about. But um, hey, welcome to the apocalypse, everyone. This is the Enlightened Couch Potato Podcast. I'm Nicholas Rave. And I'm Adrienne Gunn. And we are uh, here to talk about how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. I like it when you say it because you can. <laughs> I've been saying it for a couple of years now. So I had this idea in that my is. head long before we came up with Enlightened Couch Potato as a name. So Sure, yeah. I have been practicing. I also thought it'd be fun at some point, if, if I don't happen to get it into my face soon, that maybe we'll just do a live induction of you installing my ability to say the phrase. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because he's a hypnotherapist. If you're repetition just, you is the, the mother of skill. There. And also repetition is the mother of skill. <laughs> <laughs> what, you've never heard that before? <laughs> I have. I just haven't heard it today. Uh, okay. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, fun. hey, Adrienne, what you been watching? What have I been watching? So, you know, honestly, I have... It's fun that we we are doing this show where we help people understand that they could be watching television uh, deeply and getting getting meaning from it. I have actually found myself I don't know if listless, fidgety. I've been finding myself pausing my TV a lot and then finding that I'm on the phone and then something amazing happened in the show. I haven't been like I haven't been watching as deeply as I can. Mm. The last week has been filled with kind of catching up on the the serials that I watch regularly. So I've watched Batwoman, Supergirl, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow is one of my favorites, actually. Man, you're you're keeping up with all four of the DC universe. Somewhat begrudgingly. I jumped in because I loved Arrow. Arrow was just huge, amazing television. Season two of Arrow introduced a whole bunch of like kick-ass female warriors and yeah and and the traditions have sort of carried forward in the other dc comic shows and then they started doing all these crossovers which sort of meant to to get all the you have to be watching the whole thing i have to be caught up so i don't if you watch before you recognize that i don't particularly enjoy a heavy-handed kind of show when it comes to uh what is it the word jumps out of my head representation representation of people from oh that's cultures right yeah and sexuality and all kinds when you of feel like things, things are being shoehorned in yeah so supergirl's one of those shows uh that tends to be like really heavy-headed with their message mm. in a way that's i don't think it serves i don't think it serves the the point that they're making so yeah, it's lazy the, it's like dangling keys in front of somebody and being like, ah, you said something progressive. Ah, that means it's good. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So one of the episodes that of that show was did that this recent week, and that was hard. I also <laughs> triggered uh, kind of a, I was not feeling amazing, and then I watched Batwoman, which is actually pretty wonderfully dark. I just thought it was going to be an awful show. Yeah, I was <laughs> just, like, oh, man, I love her. Like, uh, <laughs> oh my God! I was the so villain? excited when they cast her. No, 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 the the bad girl, bad oh, woman. People seem to like Ruby Rose. Yeah, I don't think she's as awful as Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh, ouch! Okay, wow. People seem to like Scarlett Johansson. Put I the like claws Scarlett. away. <laughs> I like Scarlett a lot when she's not talking, when she's just moving around doing stuff. So, like, uh, what is it, Captain uh, America? Have you ever seen Under one? the Skin? I have not. 
Uh, yeah, well, she barely speaks in that movie. <laughs> is it great? Mm, it is great. Um, <laughs> it's extremely dark and weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind her when she speaks. So yeah, like, uh, just... did you see Vicky Cristina Barcelona? I think I might have. It's really not a great, fun uh, <laughs> movie about sort of polyamorous relationships-ish. Right. Um, yeah. But it's... Um, I, I thought she was, that was the one when I was like, oh shit, she can actually act. She's not just, you know, I might've actually enjoyed her in that. And it's again, rarer for me. I really like her in the Avengers. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about her. uh... Her Oh, actually I saw a trailer for the, what is it? Uh, Black Widow. Black Widow. I saw a trailer for that. And what I like about it is it actually looks more like an ensemble movie. Yeah. Than a her movie, which I think is a really smart move because the. Yeah. Anywho, so I thought Batwoman would also be uh, a really, really skinny person who doesn't actually look like she can accomplish the things that she's doing, which is another frustration of mine. But what's really great about it is it's not lighthearted. I love that it's not lighthearted. I love that. I actually, that particular day, this week that I watched it, I was not feeling awesome. And it was really freaking dark. I love the villain. The villain in this show, Batwoman, is one of the best villains that's been, like that DC Comics has created. Who, who's the villain? Freaking not, long the, time. not the actor, but like, what's the character? Alice is the character's name. And oh my gosh, it's it's Rachel. I think it's Scarsden is her name. She was Tamsin in Lost Girl. And I love that show. That's one of the recommends. Anywho, I recalled that I was feeling awful. And then I pressed this show and I forgot because it had been some months since I've watched it, that it's a darker show. So I, I felt even more awful <laughs> after watching it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I could probably be watching things that are more lighthearted, which is why I started watching Netflix show. I think the politician looked kind of funny and lighthearted. I did have, I did have an emotional experience during one of the scenes in the politician. Yeah. So the politician is this, this show, I guess it's this kid. He's this high school student who's determined to become the president of the United States. And right (laughs) now his, he's super, he's a wealthy kid uh, going to a, I guess, a wealthy private How old? school. Uh, he's probably a senior because he okay. wants to be the class president. So he wants to go to Harvard. Super driven. And this is the adventure of him running his campaign for class president. Yeah. And there was a scene in there. I don't know. I don't know if you have... Do you have theories about when when people die or leave this uh, earth or world or plane, are you Nicholas, are you one of those people that feels like they're always with us, that they're still here? Um, In a way. Yes. Yeah. So I had a really uh, favorite person die a while back five years ago and everybody kept saying things like you, you can still talk to that person or, you know, they're always here. And there are people who have, theories and i just i have not had this person show up in my dreams i didn't have ghost visits in places it just has not been the case for me that that Mm -hmm. that there are signs of that person being around and so in this show there is somebody you know in a lot of shows there there are people who die or pass away and then they show up in scenes I mean, that's one of the things that's crazy and fun about the multiverse stuff in superhero shows is no one, you kind of don't know when ever really dies. There's that concept and it plays out over and over again. So you're, if you're watching something and somebody's really gone, gone, it's weird, especially mm. if it's sci-fi or that sort of thing. So it actually, there's a moment where this person who had passed away comes back and starts talking and, and or it's like a scene that he's replaying in his mind where that person is with them and helping, helping him breathe and prepare for a moment. Oh, wow. And it's like, I was watching it and I was like, 
oh, and it was so beautiful and calming. And I'm just like, oh, that's a tender, important person to him. How really cool. I want to know more about how that relationship was cultivated. And what heck happened? You know, I'm just like, I only want these scenes. Screw the annoying, dumb, petty, you know, running for the thing scenes. Let's just only make a show about these moments. And what was interesting and what I think is interesting for for any of us watching television is our unconscious mind can pull out and make meaning in these moments. We're like, mm. oh, all of these characters come back to us and they speak to us again. We don't have mm. to lose them. And I realized that one of the things that could have been happening for me was that actually my friend was back for me in that moment. Mm. That's beautiful. And that is my punchline. Um, <clears throat> I do have a theory on that. Mm. <laughs> Are you surprised? Did I almost make you spit out your water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I'm not surprised. I'd love to hear about it. So, uh, listen, uh, the way I look at this is if you believe in ghosts, fine, then don't listen to what I'm about to say because you already have a theory that lets you tap into this resource. So I look at people who are able to talk to those who have passed on, to talk to their ancestors, to talk to their lost loved ones, et cetera. That's, you, those people have an advantage in some ways the, to people who aren't able to do that. So if you already believe in ghosts or spirits, or you believe that there's another side or another plane of existence where these people pass on to, and then you can still connect with them, Great, you already have a working strategy, so ignore this. I'm speaking to people right now who have a skeptical part of their brain that won't let them go in that direction, and that's, that's me. So for me, the way that I look at it is understanding what I do about the unconscious mind. What I have come to understand is that when we're relating to each other when we're here, like right now, you and I are relating to each other, or we think we're relating to each other. But in reality, most people, most of the time, aren't really connecting with another person. Um, you're connecting to a representation of that person that you have in your own head. Mm -hmm. And this is true about all of life, not just people. Like, we're not really relating to life. We're relating to... Uh, our internal representation of life being represented to us by our unconscious mind. Yes. So my view is that if most of the time when I think I'm relating to you, I'm really just relating to, to a construct in my own unconscious, then if you die, that construct isn't gone. True. So when I think of a person existing and always being with us, what I think of is that the, the other side is the world of imagination. Um, and that's not diminishing to me. That doesn't make it less. It's more that I take all of life and say, all of this is mostly imaginary. So for me to then take someone who has passed on from this mortal coil um, and then continue to relate to them, that person and my relationship with them can even continue to grow and evolve and change. And they become a different person. It's just not informed by that person's existence in the physical anymore. Um, to me, the difference is I just don't think that it exists anywhere outside of my own unconscious mind. But that doesn't make it less real. It doesn't yeah. make it less um, powerful or useful for me. Um, yeah, the... <laughs> the bigger interesting thing, which is a whole rabbit hole of it. when when we realize that the people in our lives, whether they're here or not, mm -hmm. that we aren't actually experiencing them. We're just representing them in our head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you compile on, okay, you had a dream that they were in <laughs> or, uh, even your entire life of experience them is a dream that they were in. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're having conversations with them in, in your head that suddenly when you see them in person, they know nothing about. It gets really interesting to actually connect with actual people 
who happen yeah. to somehow suddenly show you something that's very, very different than the version of them that you have connection with that's on the inside of your head. It's Absolutely. Painful. And so I don't know. That's like several levels of meta relationship with everyone you have a relationship with. Yeah. I think for most people, they don't allow the person to show up different than they expect them to show up. Yeah. And to me, a lot of authentic relating is figuring out how to get to the place where you can be surprised by everything that a person says to you. Um, yeah. And be like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Like, I don't know what you're going to say next. You don't know what I'm going to say next, even though that's not how it feels most of the time for most people. Totally. I think that was one of the challenges with my belief when people would tell me that I could still engage with this friend because that friend in particular, her specialty was I never knew what she was going to say she had access to language that no one else uses mm. and she almost always surprised me. So I'm not sure how my unconscious mind could conjure of that. Cause I never knew. And it was always the coolest thing. And I had no clue where it came from. So it's kind of fun that it pops out in these shows. Yeah. Because then I didn't have to think of it or create it myself. Yeah. And I still get to sort of the joy of like, Oh, that's, that's kind of like her good times. Well, I have found a lot of value in learning to cultivate, cultivate that same kind of um, surprise with my own unconscious that to realize that my unconscious, one way to look at it is the reason why your unconscious mind should be your best friend is because literally everything you love, your unconscious is also into that. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no one in the universe that you have more in common with than right. your unconscious mind. And, um, and in a sense, your unconscious mind is also the one who liked her. Oh yeah. yeah. Your unconscious mind is also the one that was capable of recognizing the way that she communicated and, and was the one who liked it. So my, my hypothesis is that it's possible to, to get to a place where your unconscious is a, an entity that you can connect with that can surprise you more than anyone. And that you can be like, where in the hell did that come from? But it, it requires a kind of letting go of this idea that we, oh, I already know everything that's going on in here. Mm. <laughs> uh huh. Hey, yeah. I just want to let you and your unconscious mind, Nicholas, know that we're going to do an episode where we teach people how to begin to have a new relationship with their unconscious mind. I mean, we're trickling it out, but I, I want you to know and I want your unconscious mind to know that we're actually going to dedicate specific time for that. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? Yeah. Hey, uh, what are you watching? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, um, I finished Altered Carbon. <laughs> finally uh it was good it was good it's good it was um <laughs> it was maybe not as good as the first season um it did deliver on my request for uh more athletic looking people-sized people kicking ass uh sure um, which you didn't I'm not know sure how the first season didn't have that but um Skinny Just naked more. people fighting. Oh, you didn't like that. Oh, you wanted. Okay, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to. I wanted to comment on that. Did you see um, Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron? I have not. Wait, wait. No, that's the one she's in Russia. Yeah, it's like I John Wick it. with Charlize Theron. <laughs> yeah, I started it, but I I was finding it. I don't know. I'm bored. I didn't want to read or something happened. I didn't finish. I'm in the middle. Yeah, I. I have that same thing where I'm like, as soon as it's somebody, as soon as there is a, you know, 128 pound woman fighting two 230 pound guys, I'm like, okay, this is fantasy. We're, we're talking fantasy stuff here. And yeah. I know that, that, that a lot of people even consider that right there to be an offensive concept. I know. I, well, so I know 
that there are ridiculously thin people who are stronger than I am and stronger than they look. I believe it. I know that's a truth. And having been a collegiate athlete, I know that athletes that are capable of doing, female athletes that are capable of doing things that we see in movies are fucking meaty and muscly and awesome. And I, I love it when yeah. more athletic women are the ones who are kicking butt. It, it well, just feels better to me. You want to talk about like inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like diversity of body types. So did you see um, The Mandalorian? Ah, Gina, Gina Carano. Carano. I've loved her. She, she's so fucking real and bad. Like she's someone you look at and I'm like, she could, she could wipe the floor with me Yeah, and you you know it. And I'm like more roles for her and people like that. Like stunt women should be getting more. Oh yeah. And it's great. I Um, I own it. I just heard I, it was just somebody was just talking about this. It's got Channing Tatum in it and a bunch oh of other God, yes. people. Right. So it's good. like a it's about assassins. It's um, my favorite. And it's like movie. Steven Soderbergh or something like that. Yes. It's a big and it's so good. So fucking Did haywire. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good job. I win. Um, but not barbed wire. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> I don't know. Oh shit! Who is it? Jenna Jameson, I want to say, oh. or no, Pamela Anderson. It's Pamela Anderson. I sorry. <laughs> Pamela Anderson plays in this post-apocalyptic Mad Max ish future, and um, it is as it is terrible as you could possibly imagine right now in this maybe moment. Have seen that? Oof. Um, yeah. <laughs> Gina Carano is amazing. I remember she was Storm in the reboot of American Gladiators, hosted by Hulk Hogan and is it Tatiana Ali, Muhammad Ali's daughter, who's a boxer? They came back. The first person who won that was from Portland, but she was like, she was this, she was Storm. She was beefy. What was that? Two thousand something. American Gladiators came back. Yeah, more of that. Yeah, I, I hear you completely. Like there's a there's a believability thing that's like at that point you just have to go, this is crouching tiger hidden dragon. Like people are flying and like yeah. this is not meant to be realistic. Um right. but I mean you gotta do that with a lot of kung fu movies and like fighting stuff in general. I don't mind it if they put tiny people with swords or things that makes it seem like, oh yeah, that could do you if you slice somebody who's giant, yeah. that'll suck for them. Yeah. <laughs> you move <laughs> exactly. super fast and get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but Alter Carbon is okay. Yeah. No, it was good. It was very, very good. I enjoyed it. Um, I think that um, there was a few concepts. There wasn't a lot of like, I, I was not able to identify with a lot of deep philosophical themes that weren't present in the first one. And that's kind of my point is like, it was good, but it was more plot and yeah. not the, not thematic or or mythological and there was questions in the first one that was that were very kind of westworldy in the like what is consciousness what does yeah. it mean to have a self what does it mean to be you and um and how how are you dis- uh, distinct from your memories and experiences are you distinct from your memories and experiences um and then they kind of touched on it. Like they had a moment when they started talking about like body memories and the idea yeah. that like things could be in your body. And I was like, Ooh, 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 are they going to go somewhere cool and different? And then not, not really, but um, uh, so it was good. Um, but the, the main thing um, that happened this week is once we finished um, we fit, Oh, we finished 30 rock too. Oh, wow. um, which was, um, a long journey but holy shit was it funny like oh my god that show is really quite brilliant and um really really enjoyable all the way to the end and um once we finished that um uh my wife and my girlfriend and i decided to start watching um a show that i've seen two times already i watched it all the way through once Mm-hmm. Then I introduced Liz to it and watched it all the way through again. And now we're introducing Lindsay to it and we're watch- going to watch it all the way through again. Yeah. And it's one of my all time favorite sci-fi shows and it's called Farscape. Have you ever heard of Farscape? I have heard of Farscape. 
Okay. So Farscape is some people call it like the, if you love Firefly and you are sad that there aren't more seasons, watch fucking Farscape. Um, I tend to think of it as it's actually more similar to what I love about Star Wars hmm. than what I love about um, uh, Firefly. Um, although there are some similarities for sure, but it's definitely got this like, familiar sci-fi um, structure where most episodes are about a, a self-contained plot that has a beginning, middle, and end, and they go on adventures. And then there's these through themes, um, and, and much more so than something like Star Trek, there is actual character journey. Like by the time right. you get to the end, they have changed and grown and shifted um, in a lot of ways that is, it's really interesting to see over that time. So I wanted to talk about one specific theme that was really profound. And just in the, this isn't spoiling anything because it's, it, you find this out in the very first episode. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I found as I was sitting down and just being like, oh my God, I'm so excited to watch this again. And I was thinking about why was this so special to me and how has this show informed uh, aspects of my uh, growth and um, philosophy. Uh, and the big one was this, the, the, the main characters spend the majority of the show on a ship mm -hmm. um, called a Leviathan. And the ship is alive. Um, it's actually like a whale that they are inside of. And you, we are like cell sized to this ship or maybe not quite that small, but the idea is that this ship is symbiotic with the people inside of it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really want to go anywhere, but it wants to, it, it has nowhere that it wants to go specifically, but it wants to go places yeah. and it needs the people inside of it to make the decisions about where to go. And the ship needs, it gets sick sometimes and it needs to be taken care of. And, um, and there's times when it's very rebellious against what they want to go do and it doesn't always cooperate. <laughs> um, so at the time that I was going through this the last time was when I was really obsessed with and thinking about the nature of the self, the nature of consciousness, the nature of the relationship between the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, and the body. Um, and this show, one of the things that I realized was that it informed this view that I have of myself, my conscious self, the part of my mind that I'm aware of, the, the one that thinks that is having this conversation right now, although yeah. I do my best to try to step out of the way and let my unconscious handle most of this. Right. Um, that conscious self is not me. It's not the entirety of me. It's a passenger. Um, I am a passenger inside my body, inside my unconscious mind. And that view has changed how I am able to um, relate to other people, how I'm able to, to work through trauma, to make changes. That is probably one of the single most important elements of getting hypnosis and NLP and all these other things that I've studied to work for me was understanding when you say, <clears throat> when someone says, I'm so angry with myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are two people in that sentence. <laughs> I am angry with myself. So we, we walk through life confused about who's talking. Mm -hmm. Who are you talking about? And um, this show, that was something that I just I did, couldn't stop thinking about the last time I went through. I don't know what I'm going to get out of it this time. Yeah. Um, but that uh, and that I, I will admit full disclosure that theme is something i look for in e almost everything that i watch and any show or movie that i can uh, i can see that theme being represented 
um, this idea of the self and the unconscious world. And those tend to be stories that I gravitate to. Yeah. But I think that's because that's part of my lesson in this life is to, um, to, uh, to, to get clarity on that. It's a puzzle I'm trying to solve. It's a, um, it's a, <laughs> It's Rubik's cube. <laughs> I, I didn't do. I didn't have that sitting there on purpose. Um, uh, that I'm. I'm constantly thinking about, like obsessively. Yeah, that was so. You brought up so Farscape. You brought up Westworld, which also talks a lot about consciousness and what is it. I think also <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Has been you know what? I haven't yourself? seen the whole thing. Ooh. I know. I know people are like one of the greatest sci-fi shows of all time. And I just, I never, I haven't sat down. I think part of the problem is I found out the end. Oh, balls. Before I started it. And I was, so I was like, oh, oh I, I already know where it goes. And like, that is not a twist for me. Well, couldn't, um, couldn't you allow yourself to forget it? <laughs> I, I think I will at some point. Um, put it, put it in, put your memory, put it in a box, in a box, in a yeah. box, and stick it somewhere. <laughs> and send that box to myself and then ha, 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 smash it with a hammer. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Where is that from? Uh, that is from uh, one of the movies I have seen more than any other movie in my life. Uh, it's a Disney movie called Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. It's phenomenal. It's, it, that movie was so ahead of its time. And is I, that, I, is David that the Spade, one with the no John touching, Goodman. no touch? Yeah. <laughs> no, touch. Line, no, no. no touching, no touch. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many random moments in that. I love that. I love that <laughs> movie a lot. Well, so returning to this show, one of the things we wanted to accomplish was talking about the kinds of things you may want to be watching in this challenging adventure that we are now in, 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 in COVID-19. So recommended viewing for, the, uh, for yeah. the quarantine. So an overarching is perhaps this would be a great time for you to revisit something that you already love, that you know you love, so that there could be something in your life that's familiar as you know, every hour or two or every day, something new or something different happens. At least that's how it's felt in my world. Every, every day there's something, something slightly new and different and unexpected. And I have, no, I have no idea what's going to happen. Most people are like, we have no idea. That is not common for us to not have any idea what the next day is going to bring. <laughs> So it's like the world right now is um, uncertain enough. It might yes. be good for some people to revisit shows that are more like comfort food and are reliable. And you're like, yes. I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, yeah Bob's Burgers is one for me that, yeah. um, that I, I revisit. Um, I think I've watched Bob's Burgers. Um, I've done Rick and Morty more than once. Um, Futurama probably a show that I've watched like three or four times just because that's like a put it on in the background for me. And like, I want something that I know I'm going to enjoy, but I don't want to be challenged right now. I don't want to be uncertain. I'm really glad that you said Futurama out loud because I could not strip from my brain that my brain thinks that Farscape and Futurama are the same thing. <laughs> no. I'm like, he keeps seeing Firescape. And I'm like, yes, that is a show. Farscape is a, a live action sci-fi show that was produced um, in part by um, the Jim Henson company. Hmm. So one of the things that's awesome about it and one of the things that always kind of made me roll my eyes about Star Trek is that aliens basically meant people with various things glued to their face, like humans, humanoid aliens with, yeah. with some kind of mask or costume or just a little thing between their eyebrows, which is fine, whatever, that's their universe. But I, I like Star Wars in that, or the, where you're like creatures, like yeah. weird and um, and in the uh, in Farscape, most of the creatures are practical. They build them, and Ooh. then they're puppets and stuff. And yeah. like you just freaking buy it. There's you spend enough time with these puppets, where they're these alien creatures that you start to just like. You don't see the puppet at all anymore, and you see the actors 
relating much better than people do to like green screen where you're like, I'm acting to a tennis ball. Yeah. And when they're actually in the space and they're talking, the eye line is mm -hmm. correct. And um, it's just uh, the, the, the CG that they do use for space stuff is a little hokey. It looks like video game graphics. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the characters and the set design, um, not to mention like the, the relationships and um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I freaking I, love that show. I just had a little play in my head while you were doing that. I was like, oh yeah. And also Farscape is not apparently Stargate. <laughs> No, Stargate like, is wasn't that a movie? The Stargate is another show. There's actually Stargate the movie, which is uh -huh. super fun popcorn blockbuster. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there's Stargate SG-1, the TV show, which there's also some offshoots of that one. Um, I watched all of Stargate SG-1 and I enjoyed it. I would not put it up there with Farscape or, or even Star Trek, although there's definitely some cool stuff in it. I just smooshed all three of those in my head, though, is where they Okay, well, now we've box. separated them. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so are we transitioning to yeah. talking about um, our recommended viewing for yes. the quarantine and uh, the apocalypse viewing? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. You want to go first? I we have two very different lists. <laughs> do. My lists are uh, essentially the things you could watch that have a sense of potentially joy or hope may create a sense of joy and hope. And many of them are, I think that all of the themes of the hero people in uh, difficult situations and they find their way through and it's also enjoyable to watch. So let's see, my television shows, I will attempt to pop through these quickly because I know you have a shorter list than I do. So the shows, do, 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 do. The 100, Revolution, Hold, hold on, hold on. Sell me on each I'm one gonna. just a little. Oh, you're going to do it afterwards. Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were just going to list them and be like, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know these shows, so. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, doo -doo -doo -doo. Okay. The shows The 100, Revolution, Sensate, and Lost Girl are all the kinds of shows where people are found in extreme situations and then they get their themselves through it. Uh... Eureka, I'll talk about it first. Eureka. I've is, heard about that. Eureka is a lovely show where there's a marshal who finds himself suddenly in a town filled with scientists. It's this secret town filled with scientists doing extreme experiments, uh, a town that is a collection of all of the best minds of math and science and uh, engineering are sheltered in this secret town called Eureka. And this marshal travels through and suddenly becomes the sheriff. For reasons, he becomes the sheriff of this town full of people who create things that nearly destroy the world every couple of minutes. <laughs> And this has been bit, on my list for a long time. It's a bit uh, deadly do, right? It's just, yeah. just this like jolly, wonderful person. So the reason why I bring it up for the sakes, sakes of joy and hope is because every other couple of minutes, something disastrous could potentially happen uh, because there are all of these brilliant people up to good, no good, things that could destroy the planet over and over and over again happen. And this sheriff, who is not a scientist, he is smart enough and yet just sort of like earnest. This show is earnest. I think that might be the best way of describing. And, and I think for the most part, people tend to survive. And I think every time I watched the show, I just felt like joy and glee emanating from the center of my chest. Uh, Chuck is another show. Chuck, where, I watched. Where joy, you know, emanating joy. It is lighthearted and playful. I don't know if I've talked about this. So Chuck is a show where a what is he? A gentleman who works as a computer tech in a big box store. He works at Best Buy. Yeah, but they call it something else. <laughs> Even though they can't say it. 
Yeah. He works. At, he's a geek squad agent. Except yes, he's not exactly. A geek squad agent. So he suddenly he thinks he's playing a video game or something, but he suddenly downloads the entire <laughs> database spy computer. This like in like a huge AI. So he has somehow downloaded the entire contents of some underground organization's spy computer. So he has all of the intelligence of the world. And he can also, it turns out, sometimes access some of that and use it suddenly. So I think I think two different the CIA and an FBI agent find him and then suddenly he's the computer. They lost the computer, so now they need him oh, to do God, all of the I spy remember things loving this show so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So he has to save the world every day. And I think my favorite thing about it is that the most capable spy and ass kicker in the show is uh, this woman. And he is the damsel in distress for quite a long while. Yvonne Stira something. I can't remember how to say her last name, but oh yeah. my God, she's so fantastic. She's really good in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to interrupt me with some? Oh, yours are different. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Finish your list. <laughs> Okay, so the 100, I, the 100 is a nuclear fallout, fallout. Humans have to escape in spaceships. And at some point, all of the space stations decide to form together to share resources. And they call that the ARC. And the plan was, as they assemble together all these space stations, they were going to have 100 years worth of supplies and then return back to the Earth but 60 years have passed and they have maybe six months left, maybe less, six weeks, three months left of resources. And they have to figure out what to do next. So they decide to send 100 of their juvenile delinquents who are in their, whatever, their space jail down to Earth to find out if it's inhabitable. So they toss 100 of their juvenile delinquents down to Earth. They send them down Like to they Earth. don't know if they're going to die or not? I have no idea if they're going to die or not. They and they're know. young people. Yeah, they surmised wow. all of their smart math math and, and figure outer types were like 100 years and then the earth will be inhabitable. But they were like, well, we're out of our resources at 60. Oops. Uh, let's just see. <laughs> and so those 100 juvenile delinquents land on earth and then they discover they're not alone. Oh, uh, so what's fascinating about this particular show and I think is revolutionary is that I know that we're in a phase now where we start to see villains and the way that they make decisions and we've, we've shifted in some of how we tell stories but oftentimes a story or a television show is generally positioned from one perspective usually there or or like a group and their perspective it's us against whoever this is the first show that i've watched that does a really amazing job of ha helping you to sympathize and appreciate that every single person is making the best decision that they can with the resources that they have mm. i don't think i've ever seen a show that does that so beautifully and in such an entertaining way where they give you the the sense of why anyone makes even the most horrifying choices mm. that in shows that had been before you would have been like, oh, that person's awful. You've been like, oh, God, I might have done that same thing. And it does it over and over and over again. That's one of the things. So three dimensional characters, no two dimensional mustache twirling villains. Um, nope. I always talk about that as shows that are gray or movies with, that are gray. And I, I they're not dark. Um, mm -hmm. and they're not light either. Like they're very gray and life is gray to me. They're much more real. Oddly as fantasy and out there as it is, I always kind of felt that way about once upon a time. Yes. That is one of the things that it does. Absolutely. That was one of the show, one of the first shows that I remember seeing where every time there was a mustache twirling villain, eventually you would, they would come up with some way to explain their backstory and you'd be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. And I that's a beautiful have, healing experience. I think I watched Once Upon a Time and The 100 around the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so love one, that. I love that stuff. The 100 is a, hev it's a heavier, darker thing. It's not so lighthearted, but it's that finding ways to motivate everyone's choices is huge. Yeah. 
It's got uh, some post-apocalyptic themes, though. That's good. Yeah. That, that fits yes. in with my list. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the show The Revolution. I think I Googled it to find out where you could find it. These, uh, I think it's only on NBC or you can buy it on, on Amazon right now. Is the it Revolution. Revolution the one where the power goes out? Yes. Yeah. And then suddenly the states are divided. And so it's a post-apocalyptic thing, too. And you get to see. Yeah, it was a cool, cool premise. I never saw it, but I I remember seeing the the trailers for it and being like, "Ooh, that's that looks interesting. Yeah. I think it just mostly follows this particular family and revolution. The the power goes out. There's an EMP that shuts down everything. So that's just the power goes out. The EMP breaks all of technology and then. There's, there are different revolutions that change the shape of where the states are and who's in the leadership. And so the country is oh, divided. Oh, revolutions? You mean there's like, you mean it's like a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Multiple. Sorry. Yeah. And so you follow these people figuring out how to survive in that space. Uh, Sensate's interesting. In, and these are like, you could feel good, but like in, in a shitstorm, right? Each one of these has that sort of theme. It's like, oh, there's danger. Uh, Sensate is suddenly on their 28th birthday, this group of eight people from different countries uh, suddenly shares a psychic connection. And as they discover how that's fascinating and interesting and useful and weird as F, they they become hunted by a secret covert organization that wants to have them be extinct Hmm. and so what's interesting about this show is it's one of the first ones where i found myself literally like leaping off of my couch and cheering and suddenly dancing and singing out loud with a television like like i don't think i've ever jumped up and started dancing in the middle of my living room to anything i've ever watched and since high praise so it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is the, the scenery is gorgeous. It's it's so beautiful. It's probably why it's not around anymore. It's very expensive to make. Yeah, because they had to shoot the, like the, the the way that they sh- do the sharing of psychic connection. Thinking of that in in the technological aspects of like how many takes that they would have to do from different perspectives. Wow. I can't believe I haven't seen this show yet. Like I, so many people have said that it's great and it's the freaking Wachowskis. Like that to me is like, they're easily in the top three filmmakers for me. And they've certainly had missteps, but I I don't always, I don't necessarily blame them for them. Yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, that one has to be on my list. Like, that's going to be one that I'm going to watch and then we're going to pontificate. And we could even that. do like an episode by episode breakdown of it um, if you're if you're interested when I get around to it. Sure. And the last thing I'll talk about is Lost Girl. <laughs> Lost Girl is more playful. It's It sort of fits into the sort of Buffy Xena world of... Uh, so how do I describe this? A succubus has <laughs> lived. I'll start again. Sorry. <laughs> That's not where I thought it was going to start. <laughs> A succubus has lived her entire life not knowing who she is or why she has the powers that she has. She's, I think she's about 28 as well. When she discovers that there is an underground world of Fae powered people and the Fae have divided themselves into light Fae and dark Fae. And once they've discovered her and she's discovered them, they are trying to get her to pick a side. So she ends up becoming kind of like a private private eye type she decides not, i mean she doesn't want to align this all happens in the first episode by the way so okay she doesn't realize that she's powered she has no idea how to utilize herself so it's the adventure of of ha- having someone discover who she really is and what she's fully capable of 
Yeah. And have to figure out whether she's light, whether she's dark, because all fae in some way or another feed off of humans, their energy or their body parts or some, some way that the fae and the humans are interconnected. And so, so what's fun about this show is it revisits a whole bunch of fairy tales and magical creatures that you may have heard of and it plays around with them. It's also sort of a supernatural buddy cop show because she mm. does play the private detective. And then also every now and then the world is going to end. So very like Buffy in the sense that there's this group of people who are differently powered, attempting to figure out how to like uh, continue to live. So a little supernatural they, thrown in there too. Yes. Also, it's pretty sexy. Well, uh, you you started with succubus. So yes. <laughs> succubus uh, feeds off of sexual energy and exchanges sexual energy, and so. Well, this show just yeah. jumped up to the top of my list. <laughs> yes, it really it really should be at the top of many people's lists because. I haven't even heard of this. Oh, really? No. Yeah, it's a Canadian show. Uh, on Netflix. Show. <laughs> Canadian show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch a lot of Canadian shows. Uh, uh, yeah, and this was that one of my great. favorites that I've I think I've watched it three times now. How, is it is it finished? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they did five and a half. So I think it's six seasons. But this, oh, does it like season. end badly? Like no, it actually ends kind of epically they take oh, good, it good. somewhere i, I cool. hate it when shows are like oh when and they're just about to like wrap something up and then they get canceled that, that yeah sucks. it gets weird in season four and then they pick some really interesting things I, I love it when shows figure out who they are and then they make fun of themselves for a season yeah, so there's a really yeah. delightful uh, one of those and then okay all right and then you they sold me ratchet up <laughs> There's a way in which it doesn't end well because it just ends too soon because they they finally find their groove and then they have to figure out a way to like shut it down because of money mm. or whatever reason things are canceled. Okay. Well, I was already sold on Sense8 um, and uh, I've already seen Chuck and I freaking loved it. Um, I did feel like Chuck got a little long in the tooth near mm -hmm. the end um, in the last season or two, which I'm not even sure I finished it. Um, but the first three, four seasons... Oh my God. It's, it's delightful. Yeah, it's really Eureka is definitely one that like when it comes to like just popcorn, like who gives a shit kind of fun. Yeah. That uh, that's one that I've thought about and I completely forgot about. Yes. Um, but lost girl, lost girl, <laughs> lost girl, just lost girl. I've yeah. never even heard of it. Yeah. And um, you sold me. So, Groovy. um, okay. Can I, can yeah. I change gears here and then we'll probably have to wrap up. Yeah, are you not? Oh, you're changing gears. Yes, do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears here, and I'm gonna give another list of recommended viewing. But this one comes with a big caveat, asterisk, warning list, <laughs> warning label. Um, uh, I'm calling this six movies to watch if you it, during the apocalypse if you're a masochist, <laughs> um, and specifically uh, in the. Uh, virus outbreak kind of uh, apocalypse that we are that we currently find ourselves in, and I say apocalypse jokingly. Yeah. Um. So I came up with a list. I there's actually a lot more than this, and I, I will say it it entered into the world of zombie movies very quickly. Sure. So I was I was careful with that one because I was just like I, I'm not gonna make I could I could have made this like. 20 movies if I included zombie movies. Um, so <laughs> yes. I did include one, but I'm just going to say personal uh, preference for what I think is the, the best one to be watching right now. So these are movies that if you want to have an experience of like diving deeper into, like I often find that movies, scary movies, things like that um, are almost like they're a contrast frame where like going someplace worse than where we are it allows you to sort of inoculate yourself emotionally to what we are going through right now. And that's one of my favorite strategies for coping with this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, the obvious ones I'll start with first are there's a movie called Contagion um, with Gwyneth Paltrow and a bunch of other great actors. 
really hard to watch, just to be clear. Um, but it's also, and, and it's not entirely scientifically accurate. So there's a couple of good articles written about it where if you want to go and be like, here's where they took artistic liberties. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in it that you're like, oh, fuck. Like, that's, ugh. like, that's what we're going through right now. Um, so that one's good. It's, it's a good, good movie. Um, a movie that I remember watching when I was quite a bit younger um, and I really enjoyed um, largely because it has one of my all-time favorite actors in it is a movie called Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. Um, that one is about a coronavirus specifically yeah. um, that somebody gets from, I think from a bat, if I remember correctly. And there's a monkey involved too. So it's kind of like the the bat pangolin thing, but this one was like bat monkey. And then somebody got it from there. Yeah. Um, and uh, another very highly dramatized version of this same kind of thing. Um, uh, but a great movie, really fun. Uh, again, not scientifically accurate in a whole lot of ways, even more so than contagion. Um, okay. Now we get weird. Okay, weird. <laughs> weird. Those are the those are the obvious ones. Sure. Um, the next one is um, a, a movie that I that I holds a very special place in my heart because I watched it with my dad when I was like pretty young, fairly, and it was a little disturbing at the time. But it's very dated. It's a movie called The Andromeda Strain, and okay. uh, I think it's a Michael Crichton movie. I, I could be wrong on that one. I, I want right? to say that's the case. Yeah, and um. He and, and this, the plot line is that something comes back from like a, a, a virus or contagion of some sort comes back from space. And it's something we we've never seen before. And um, I remember it making a really big impression on me as a kid and really like having this um, this idea of a of a of a contagion gone loose that was like the first time i'd ever been exposed to any of those ideas and i think it's from the 70s yeah. so it's got a very different sensibility um than than current modern films if you watch movies from the 70s they're a lot more slow paced sure um but i do find that to be quite hypnotic and i i think people had attention spans back then that if you watch movies from back then and you let yourself surrender to the pacing of the movie it can actually grow your attention span it can actually be good for your um your ability to go into trance so andromeda strain i love that movie i think it's super fun um uh well let's do our zombie movie okay. um the the one zombie movie that i decided to pick is called 28 days later um that one is very it, it definitely leans into the contagion kind of version of the zombies. And I, I think that was the first movie with fast zombies. Um, oh, yeah. Made them much scarier. Um, they started, they were running zombies instead of your typical <laughs> merbrains kind of zombies. Right. Uh, good acting, real, really scary and intense movie. Um, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. Some very challenging emotional parts also there's a there's a lot of stuff about like how easy it is to catch and and there's like some pretty uh heartbreaking moments about that that i i really enjoyed um okay two more uh this one is arguably not a contagion type movie but i definitely love it for this kind of thing and an incredible work of art um children of men have you ever seen it or heard of it Maybe. So it's about um, a future where it's been like 18 years or something since no one could get pregnant. Mm -hmm. The whole planet, everyone, no one can have babies anymore. So the youngest person on the planet is like 18 years old. And um, they're basically, the whole world has started to collapse because everybody's like, this is the end. Like there's nothing we can do. And then um, plot ensues. Um, but the filmmaking, um, the acting, the writing, the just the depth of this world, like it's so real. Um, it's so well made. Like this is probably the best movie of all of these movies. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a scene in particular that is done um, where they're, they're 
trying to escape in a car while all these people are coming from the woods and trying to like attack them while they're in the car. Yeah. And the entire shot is done in one take. Oof. Um, and the camera, it's, it, they do some trickery, some visual effects trickery to do it. But the camera goes outside the car, spins around the car while everybody is running in from the sides, goes into the car and then like turns around, shows you what's going on inside the car and then goes back out again. And it's fucking seamless. Like that is one of the most incredible shots in movie history. It's yeah. so amazing to watch. I love that movie. Great, great, great movie. And has definitely a, a, a sense of hopefulness um, at the end. Okay, cool. last one. Um, this is one of my guilty pleasure favorite movies of all time. I, I, it's such a weird sci-fi movie. Yeah. Uh, it's called 12 Monkeys. I think I've seen it. I don't know that I remember it. Bruce Willis. Uh-huh. I want to say it's like Terry Gilliam or something, something who, who directed it, who, who does a lot of very like weird fantasy, surreal type movies. So it has yeah. moments that are very surreal. Brad Pitt um, that, and, yeah. and again, yeah, Brad Pitt in one of my favorite, most <laughs> off-putting roles you've ever seen Brad Pitt in, where you're yeah. just like, he's a sex symbol? <laughs> like, what? Um, and I love him in that role. Um, yeah. Really, really good. Uh, just a, a, a clarification one more time. These movies are not for the faint of heart. Don't watch these movies with your kids. Don't watch these movies if you're going to find that they're going to stress you out more. Right. But if you're anything like me, watching these kinds of movies in times like this is like a gleeful release. It's a cathartic experience that actually helps me feel less stressed out. There's some pretty disturbing moments in 12 Monkeys, um, but um, uh, very, very cool concepts. And it is about a, a contagion. Um, nice. There were other movies that I could have put on the list, but I decided to keep it to my six favorites. So That's awesome. What movie am I confusing with 12 Monkeys that also has Brad Pitt that's like the seven sins or is it? There's... Seven. It's just seven? Okay. Those squished yeah. together. Yeah, that's a very different movie. For some reason. Yeah, 12 Monkeys, Brad Pitt's not the star. He's more of a supporting character. And in seven, it's uh, um, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and they're both like detectives. And, okay. um, and then- yeah. Uh, they must have come out in similar <laughs> times or I may have watched them around the same time because they squished yeah. together in my head. I might I might be brave enough to watch that if I could find it. 12 Monkeys? Yeah. 12 Monkeys is fun. I like I love that movie. I and it's it's got such a cool like whoa, mind-blowing ending. Um 7 is is dark. Um, yeah. And okay. it's Darren Aronofsky, who's one of my favorite filmmakers. He's he's up there with the Wachowskis. Um, and so I, I love that movie, but it, it's definitely not, it's not relevant to what we're going through now, but 12 sure. Monkeys is just like weird and surreal enough that it, it it's, it's sort of like, you know, Kill Bill, mm-hmm. where Kill Bill has that like, over-the-top violence and gore, but because it's so weird and over-the-top and surreal yeah. that it's almost cartoonish. Yes. And it's it's often less disturbing for people than things that are less gory but more real. Yeah. Um, I find 12 Monkeys is a little bit, it, it straddles that edge where you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, is this, this can't be real. It's not like Outbreak and Contagion where you're like, this is going to happen! <laughs> or it is happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of I, I dig that as an approach of making things so hyper saturated in color or too crisp that it becomes more like a dream or. Yeah. Yeah. Like- yeah. Twelve Monkeys is very dreamlike. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. We okay. did. We did two two lists. The list where you might want to feel better at the end. And. Uh, and then this other one where if you're into <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> You want to get movies deeply apocalyptic and contagion movies for masochists. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, we have a we have a suggestion. I don't know when that popped in. Check out Ooh. Maggie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, Sad I haven't. Movie. 
Yeah, I, I heard about that. And like, I have always held out the idea that Arnold Schwarzenegger could act if you gave him a chance. Yeah. And that was a movie where I thought that maybe they were going to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I have not seen it. Um, who, who said that? Denise Rex. Well, thank you, Denise. I, um, it's not showing up in my, I see that she's watching, but I'm not seeing it in my list here. Yeah, yeah. So, so another um, suggestion from, from, from yeah, the good, world. G- uh, good zombie movies are, um, I mean, the, the zombie genre got so saturated um, that uh, they had to go meta and weird <laughs> at some point. But I, that one looked really interesting. So Yeah, on the, on the uplifting zombie shows. I actually did give this as a recommendation recently because of the situation was iZombie from the CW. And it mm. is, there's a zombie outbreak in Seattle and, and uh, a woman who is a pathologist for the police department becomes a zombie. And the, so this is a buddy cop show. The way that she solves crimes with this cop that comes down and is usually like, what do you find in this autopsy? She eats the brains and then she takes on aspects of that person's personality and she also has access to the memories and so they go on adventures solving crimes. amazing <laughs> so good um yeah I, I, as far as like sort of light-hearted apocalyptic things there's a, sh- a, a show i watched called daybreak um that um my friend morgan who you know as well shout out yeah. morgan um morgan turned me on to and he loved it i i didn't love it as much as he did i thought it was good um but uh yeah my girlfriend watched that recently too and she also really enjoyed daybreak so that's very lighthearted and fun and has matthew broderick in it in a fabulous role Heck um, yeah yeah, yeah. Right. that one's good that one's fun well so here's these were the suggestions if you have suggestions for us go ahead and type them in the places where you can type things and- or just let us know what you're watching and what you're getting out of it yeah because everybody's think- watching more stuff than than ever before right now. Almost everybody. <laughs> so time is ripe for TVing deeply. I... TV deeply, folks. Yep. <laughs> I've been Adrienne. I am still Nicholas Rave. <laughs> and there we did it. We did this thing. We shall see you uh, the next time we do a thing. We'll be back, we'll be back next week. Uh, have fun in, in uh, your quarantine, everybody. <laughs> Yay. Good luck with that. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.